podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Spurs show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special edition of the Spurs Show. This is a special uh, intimate evening with Spurs Show seasoning holders live from London's Great Portland Streets. Thanks for joining us. We've had a break. There'll be more alcohol imbibed. Uh, you can join us at one of these wonderful intimate events. All you've got to do is go to season dot spurshow.net sign up and join us we've got uh, next month we've got a big Christmas show on December the 11th in Camden Mr. Glenn Hoddle you can get individual tickets for that with uh, live.spurshow.net anyway tonight's show special show joining us this evening firstly my co-host from the Spurs show Mr. Theo Delaney hello Secondly, a man who, for well, certainly people, um, not just when you go live, I'm, I'm thinking of something new here. Therefore. Not just people live, but if you ever have to call up normally to complain to customer services about Tottenham, your season ticket hasn't shown up, this and that, that you get your voice as well. I am the voice Paul Coit. Thank you. Hey. Press one for administration. <laughs> Press two. You do. Press three for taking the piss. Do you get, <laughs> do you get royalties for that every time people call up? Every time I get 10 quid. Every time. It's all going very so well. Keep those calls coming, Please people. Please do. Doesn't matter what you do, just phone the number. Yeah, just, just, could, just put it on Press repeat. Press four is 15 quid because it takes longer to get through. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, well, the reason we're all here this evening, we'll come out on a pretty cold Tuesday night, same night that England are playing, Ireland are playing. For one man, really, and we're, we're delighted and honoured to have him here this evening. Played for Spurs between 1968 and 1976. 367 appearances for Tottenham Hotspur. 174 goals. For our, our, our slightly younger listener, uh, I mean, I, I, I'll quote him now to what Harry Kane is doing in the club. You know, came quite young, immediate impact, banging in goals. And I think the way they play, I think, is very, very similar. Please welcome Mr. Martin Chivers. Yes. Great. Thank you. I named my dog after Martin Chivers. Did you know that? Really? What slow bastard. <laughs> 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 Oh dear. Uh, right, well, this is a very special uh, show looking back at Martin's career. Uh, we'll touch on other clubs he played for, but mainly uh, his time at Spurs. Um, for those of you who never saw Martin play or a certain age, before Martin joined Tottenham, uh, it was a, a very extremely prolific sport, your home club, Southampton. Um, and this is for sort of late 60s the years mid late 60s the years before football agents and all the kind of deals that you get now and um, looking back it was actually a bit of a side comment from Jimmy Greaves after a game that kind of got the wheels moving for you actually ending up at, at Tottenham Hotspur is that is that right absolutely 
Uh, we played against the Irish League. We, the English League went over to Dublin to play them, and uh, I was a Southampton player, and Jim was obviously with, with the great Spurs team. And uh, we thrashed the Irish 7-0. For once, I got more goals than Jim. I got three, he got two. At the end of the game, we, we go back to the hotel. We obviously have a couple of drinks, Jim and myself. And uh, there was a reporter there as well, Reg Drury, who was very well known to everybody, a very good friend of Jim's. And we start talking, and uh, the question came up from Jim. He said, have you ever thought of moving away from Tottenham? I said, well, not really, Jim. I'm, I'm a Southampton boy. I'm d- doing well down there, scoring goals with Ron Davies. Uh, why do you ask? He said, well, we know that Bill Nicholson would be very, in- very interested in you if you became available. <laughs> he said, would you come to Tottenham? I said, it was a bloody stupid question, really. Of course I'd be interested in coming to Tottenham. But uh, I, I doubt whether Ted Bates would ever allow me to leave at the moment. Um, so it's... It just transpired that I went and had a chat with Ted Bates down there. I said, I, I, would you ever consider letting me go? He said, on no, no occasion, never. So that was my response back to Reg Drury and Jim. And the only way I could possibly get away was to write in for a transfer, knowing that Bill Nicholson wanted to sign me. So in effect, you were, to use the modern parlance, tapped up by Jimmy Greaves. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think I'm right in saying that... Best tap-up ever. Yeah, so that, was, that worked very well. And also, wasn't it, it was a record fee that prized you away from it them, It turned right? out to be a record yeah. fee. I, I read that as I was walking through the, the high street of, of Southampton, and I read on a billboard, Chivers can go for a record 125,000. That's the first I heard about it. Right. And I thought, Christ, you know, now I am going to Tottenham yeah and uh, I met Bill Nick up at Winchester and with Ted Bates and they were very similar managers believe it or not and they got on very well and the deed was done and about three days later I joined joined the club and played at Sheffield Wednesday for my debut mm-hmm. well, we're going to touch on that in a minute when, when you joined Spurs in that 67-68 during the season you were aged 22 years old uh, the team you, you, the dressing you walked into, this is a, a name check here. <laughs> Greaves, Gilzine, Mackay, England, Kinnear, Knowles, Cliff Jones, Venables, Mullery, Jennings. Not a bad team to, <laughs> to be going, hello, hello. Not to a be bad joining. team. The Lily Whites. Uh, and people have asked me in the, pa- in the past, that must have been hard going into that team. I said, it was the bloody easiest thing I did. Everything was laid on a plate for you as long as you can score goals and you've got a good shot on you or you find the right position to head the ball you you can sail you know mm-hmm. it's it was just wonderful playing with those fantastic players but that first game we touched upon which was the way it's Sheffield Wednesday uh which you, <laughs> you scored you scored on your debut yeah. um and Sheffield Wednesday were a bit of a sort of hoodoo team against us for many. It was actually that game was the first time we'd won them in 31 years. I know. And apparently players going, but what's extraordinary was that Tottenham signed you for £125,000. You know, you're a big signing. Don't get, don't get it as well, you're a big signing. But yet, you weren't given a new kit. It was just sort of no. 
thrown at you, this crumpled old stuff. When we arrived at the ground, you always arrived there about three quarters of an hour, an hour before the kickoff, and we walked out on the pitch just to see, well, see what the quality of the turf was like and everything. Walked back in the dressing room, and Cecil Poynton, who was the kit man in those days, and the physio, he, th- he threw me a bundle... And I opened this bundle, and it was like going swimming, you know. It was, a, yeah. it was all, all wrapped up in a towel. And the shorts were all crumpled up, a dark pair of shorts, the white shirt of Tottenham. It was like the road map of Great Britain that had so many creases in. And I thought, even at Southampton we get press shirts, and it, we look smart when we go out on the field. And I started trying it on. And Pat Jennings, across the corner, at the opposite corner to me, noticed I was struggling with this shirt, and I was pulling the sleeves down and so on. And he shouted out to Bill Nick. He said, Bill, he said, I think Chip's got a problem with his shirt. And he could see me pulling up the sleeve. I couldn't work out whether it was a short, long-sleeve shirt or the <laughs> other way around. And, and Bill's answer straight away, which I remember to this day, was... I'll get you a decent shirt, son, when you prove to me I've done the right thing and buying you for 125000 Wow. And that was the beginning of it all. <laughs> the beginning. Yeah. So. Wow. Listen, Martin, did, amazing, did they it? actually get you a new shirt? Did, it, did you end up no, getting one? It finished up that Mike England and myself, the following season, were, they ordered extra large for once. Apart from, normally it would be large or medium for footballers and for Cliffy Jones probably minute, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. But it was generally those two sizes, but it, it was ge- generally probably large throughout the whole team. But they did order extra large for the centre-half and the centre-forward. And that's how it was. But they were very valuable items, the shirts. <laughs> I tell you, even after oh, finals and everything, we weren't allowed to keep any shirts. They, they were retained for the reserves the following season. So the shirt I scored <laughs> up at Wolves with the, with the final, that never, I was never able to keep that. They took that away. They took that Washington away. Johnny Wallace would have lost his job if he had <coughs> let us t- take those shirts. What about exchanging shirts, though? No, that was never, never went no, on. Were you, were you told beforehand, don't change your shirt? Say no, it, just a, it was an unwritten shirt. rule. Yeah. It was an unwritten rule. You couldn't possibly do that. <laughs> you couldn't keep your shirt. Johnny Wallace gathered them all together after the, after the game, put them in the skip, and they went away. And the following season, the reserves wore them. We couldn't keep them. Well, the first Spurs shirt I ever had, forgive me, I have told this story before, but it was actually, I was about five, first game I ever went to, I was five years old, 1971, and Spurs beat Crystal Palace 3-0. And you scored, and I think Martin Peters scored, and I think Alan Gilzean scored. I'm pretty sure that that's right. And my mum, for my sixth birthday, asked for a Tottenham shirt. And in those days, it didn't have all like branding. and no, It was just no, basically a just white long sleeve shirt. Cockroach, yeah. And all, you, all she had to do was buy the badge and the number. So I woke up on my birthday morning. My dad had got the number and the badge. said, sew it on and give it to me. Well, it turned out, I thought I was getting Martin Chivers' shirt. I got Phil Beale's shirt, didn't I? <laughs> upside down. Yeah. She'd sewn it on upside down. She didn't, I never forgot. It's unbelievable. You know, England and Tottenham centre forward, but it didn't occur to her. She was, I told Phil, Phil Beale that Bill, stuff. Phil Beale would be very yeah, pleased. Yeah. He was a great servant for yeah. That's amazing. You're, I mean, you, 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 you join this, 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 this team with extraordinary players. Your second game, if you remember, was at home to Arsenal. Yep. Um, 
And then the third game was the cup against Manchester United. Easy start. We scored it? twice. Yeah. I mean, extraordinary starts. I mean, what's about three games? To, I was on you top know. of the world. Top of the world. The, the Arsenal, to go out against the Arsenal and win 1 0, you know, playing alongside Jimmy Greaves and Gilly was there. He scored the goal on that day. Dave Mackay was playing. All those names that we mentioned, it was in front of 63,000 fans. Wow. And I think there might be one or two in the audience that uh, can remember what the state of the pitch was. It was a mud heap. I can tell you, we were running on a, a diamond of sand and mud. And I went down about three or four inches every step I, I ran on that pitch. I came in after the game and Jimmy, we won one nil. Jimmy patted me on the leg because I, I stripped next to him. And he said, how did you like that big fella? I said, that was unbelievable, Jim. 63,000, we've stuffed the Gooners. But I can't play on that pitch. And at the top of his voice, he bellowed across the bill in the the corner of the the room. And he said, Bill, Shiv's just told me he can't play on that pitch. I could could have have dug a hole. I could have buried myself. So the first game you moaned about the kit, the second game the pitch. We started off very well, Bill, myself. Well, let's talk more after this very quick break. The Spurs show is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. I mean, then the following season was actually your first proper pre-season at Tottenham Hotspur because you joined during yep. the, season, the season before. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's, it's in your book, there's an extraordinary story. You do your first pre-season at Spurs, which would be like, it's an extraordinary story about you going across country with Jimmy Greaves. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember that? He was a terrible... <laughs> He, he, he taught us ten terrible habits, Jim. We, we, the first couple of days when you do pre-season training at Tottenham, you don't touch a ball. That's sacred. You're there locked away. So you, what do you do? You're walking and running. Bill loved walking. But on this occasion, we went for a, a run. They dropped us out into the hinterland of bloody Hertfordshire somewhere. And set, we all got... Got off, but just before we got off the coach, Eddie Bailey says, Right, now you've got to run back to the training ground. We thought, Fucking hell, that's a long way back there. <laughs> so the youngsters, they get off and they sprint down the road, they're going to make an impression. And the seasoned professionals, me included, were, we were still talking about our summer holidays, you know. And get, we, sta- we fell off of the coach, got onto the sideway, and we, made, we started heading the right way. We followed them, so we jogged down behind. Sure enough, we get about six or seven of us get way late. We, we get cut off. The others have gone, and we're way back in the field. We couldn't even see them in front of us. And suddenly, this pickup lorry came past us and screeched and pulled up. And I thought, what's fucking going on here? <laughs> Jim, Jim has sprinted for the first time. He sprinted towards this wagon. He said, come on, fellas, come on, fellas. Little did we know he'd been thumbing a lift <laughs> as we're going down towards Chesham. <laughs> and I was left behind. I thought, I thought hell, I, I can't be left by myself. I'll get a real rollicking if I'm last. So you, I had to join in. I jumped on the back of this thing. We laid down very low. It was one of those low <laughs> lorries. 
And we passed, we passed about 20 or 30 of the players going down. Turned round where the pub is in Chesson, down towards the training ground. We said, this will do, this is Nolsey was one of them. He was the one leading the revolt. He said, right, come on, fellas, we can get off now. Nobody will see us. So we're in the middle of the pack. And as we ran into the training ground, Eddie Bailey's got his stopwatch, and he, he looked up. <laughs> Something wrong here. He, it's a new uh, world record. <laughs> he thought there's something wrong here. The last I th- heard that you were way back. Anyway, over the lunchtime, it, Jimmy had to explain what had been going on. He said it was Chip's idea, Ed. He said so. So, so we had to go along with it. He can was you, unbelievable. Oh, Jimmy. Can you imagine being that? See, the thing is, you wouldn't think this, oh, but I would. Can you imagine what the driver was thinking? Uh, yeah. was thinking. You know, you're really? in there. Can you yeah. 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 now? I'm thinking, oh, my yeah. God, I've got Jimmy Green, yeah. Mine Shivers, Cyril yeah. Knowles. Yeah. Just over the back of my lorry today. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Incredible. No one's ever believed him. Uh, Whoever yeah. he's told, Can no one. Yeah, oh, is he telling that story yeah. again? <laughs> Jim got away with murder, <laughs> as he would. Yeah. That um, first full season um, at Spurs, you, you had a few injury nickels, and you explain it very graphically in your book. You then got the awful injury that you got in that season. Um, Do you want to sort of tell the listeners kind of what happened and the the whole rehabilitation and what you went through physically and mentally? Yeah. After after that trip on the lorry and everything like that, we started. We were able to kick a ball about a few days later, and I'm hitting some balls at Pat Jennings, driving the ball at him as you would do as a goal scorer. And I began to get a pain in my left leg as I planted it down to strike a ball. And it got worse to the point that I had to report it to the doctor. And the doctor sent me to see a specialist who promptly put a, a, a small injection just in the, below my kneecap. And it went away. The pain goes away when you do these steroid injections. It goes away, but sure enough, after about three weeks, it came back again. So... Again, back to the specialist that was hurting all the time, shooting at goal. And I, I, I went back to see him. He promptly put another injection just below my kneecap. And I went on to the football field. I played probably about seven games. But this pain in my left leg was hurting all the time, getting worse and worse. And I was playing against Sheffield, uh, Nottingham Forest on the 20th, I know the date, it's 21st of September, so it is early in the season. And I went to lay a ball off on the halfway line to one of my players, and suddenly I just collapsed on the field. And I looked down, and I had a hole where my knee should have been. And I looked up high, to where my pocket would be, and there was a lump. So I straightened my leg, realised that that was my kneecap. And I straightened my leg, put my kneecap back, and I laid there waiting. Jimmy came on. Jimmy again. He came, he came back. He said, what's up, big fella? I said, my knee's gone, Jim. He said, fuck, he said it again. Therefore, he says, your knee can't go. I said, Jim, my knee's gone. Don't ask me to explain what's going on, but I've got a big problem. So Cecil Point and eventually got onto the pitch, you know, because he, he was past 70 odd or something. It took him a couple of minutes to get. I was on the far side of the, of the ground, over by the, uh, the shelf. 
And he, he came over, and the first thing he asked me to do with all the players looking in was bend your leg. I said, I can't, Cecil. He said, no, just bend it slowly. So I went to bend it slowly, and the kneecap, sure enough, started riding up my thigh. And the players turned away. Jones, Cliffy Jones will always tell you exactly the same story. He can't believe I ever came back after it. And then he whistled on the St. John's Ambulance Brigade. And in those days, you didn't get this magnificent four <laughs> fellas, you know, with the trolley and everything. They ran on with a canvas stretcher with two great big poles that they used to stick through the side and carry you off. Well, they rolled me over onto the stretcher, off to the sideline, and we had to go towards a tunnel. And most of you can remember that we used to come up that tunnel with about 12 steps. And we got to the 12 steps, and the old boy in the front looked up to me, and he said, excuse me, Mr. Chivers, he said, but do you mind hopping off? Oh, my God. He said, and I'm not exaggerating this, I actually did this. He said, do you mind hopping off? Because you're too heavy for us to get down the steps. So I said, yeah, sure. I got off. I hopped down on my right leg, down to the bottom, got back on the stretcher, and I had a flying squad escort to Royal Stanmore Orthopaedic. And that injury put me out for 10 months, to the end of the season. That was September to the end of the season. So and when people talk about eight years at Tottenham, I was seven years yeah. at Tottenham. Yeah. It was uh, how did the a career-threatening Because you said it, it kept going. So was it, but, but how did... Do you think the injections were obviously just mu- absolutely masking? We know now that it's, they don't put injections into tendon. We all know... We should all know that by now. But they didn't know in those days. And right. They stuck a, a cortisone injection, cortisone. a steroid injection, into just below my kneecap. And if you feel your knee, just below your knee, you've got a tendon, you've got a tendon above, and the one below snapped right off. And it left a bit of a tendon still attached to the kneecap, and he had to reinforce my tendon and kneecap with some sinews or whatever. And he drilled the kneecap so that he could wrap it round. I don't know, to be honest... I never asked exactly what he did. I only, it was explained at the time, but when you come out of anaesthetic after four hours, you don't really take too much yeah. in. Didn't you and say that Cecil tried to push it back in again, didn't you? Was, was another story when you were laying there and he's got the kneecap and he's trying to get it, he's going to try and put it back in a place for you on the pitch? <laughs> no, no uh, Alan Mullery always exaggerates it. That's <laughs> Alan, Alan Mullery exaggerates it and said that he went to the wrong leg to start with. He, he said, no, this is all right, Chief. You'll be able to run this up. But, but no. that surgeon did an incredible job, right? And because he wasn't the surgeon. He, I'm pleased he wasn't. He wasn't the specialist that right. stuck the needle in me. Okay. He was the nose and throat he, guy. He was, some, <laughs> he was somebody there who was called Mr. Tricky. Mr. Mr. Tricky. Tricky. That gave me a oh. lot of confidence. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Mr. Tricky. And Tricky's I met him the there. next morning with Bill Nicholson in the Stanmore, and they told me then that I had to be prepared for at least six months out of football, mm. and it was ten months. Mm. But, then, but then the problems started. Okay. How are you going to get confidence yeah. to be able to play with of a course. leg that you know has, that's happened to yeah. it? And that, I had to get that confidence. But you back. did, uh, ultimately, 
Eventually. Yeah. But that's How long did that take? Because you did 10 months for physical recovery. How long did it take mm. for you to feel... Well, I was super fit at the end of that season because I had done so many weights and yeah. put on weight, strengthened myself. I, was, I broke the record running around the track. Nobody right. else ever broke that 47 seconds yeah. running around. And I was super fit, but the only thing was up here, yeah, yeah. I hadn't played football. Of course. And they went away at the end of the season to America for an end-of-season tour. And I thought, maybe that's a nice time to go with the boys. And, yeah, you know. kick a ball. And the specialist said, no, nope, I don't want you to do anything like that during the summer. Come back at pre-season and see how you go. Hmm. He was very, very careful. But it was But also, Martin, you're, you're, you're also, age-wise, you're still, what, you're mid, mid-20s? Or you're not even that? When you're 22, you 22. think you can move mountains. Mm. Exactly. You're yeah. still very, very young. young I was. Young I never person. once thought I wouldn't play football again. Mm. Okay, so that's the key, isn't it? That's the key, that's having the, that That's faith. one of the yeah. keys, yeah. yeah. But Definitely. there was that 69-70 season, you made your comeback yeah. that season. Um, but it's kind of looking back, that was kind of, you touched on it before with various Bill Nicholson, oi Bill, oi Bill, he's done this <laughs> and that and that. But that was kind of when your, for want of a better word, unique relationship with Bill Nick kind of started because he you know, you, you, you hear reports. He wanted you to be more aggressive on the pitch. Yeah. You thought you were doing as much as you could. Do you think, looking back, that's because mentally, because there's an injury? I mean, you were of lucky course. to ever play again. Of course. I, was, uh, it wasn't some, I didn't realise. I, I wasn't a physical player anyway. When I first came to Tottenham, I never used to play like Bobby Smith, which mm. Bill thought, the size of me and the strength of me, that I could do a similar job as Bobby, Bobby yeah. Smith did. It was very effective, Bobby. He scored a load of goals. But I wasn't that physical player, bundling goalkeepers in the back of the net yeah. with the ball and things like that. I, I was a different sort of player. But it wasn't just that. It was, it was getting the confidence that somebody... a great big, In those days, it was a physical game. Mm. Very physical to what it is now. And I was waiting to be able to withstand a heavy tackle. And it didn't happen for the first few games, maybe because I was jumping a bit and I was a bit te- delicate. I didn't want to go into tackles and things like that. And then it did turn around in one get one very special game. And that was against Gordon Banks with Stoke when I scored a couple of great goals past him. And one of them was special. Never did get it on film or anything, mm. but it was... I curled one round. I had a big tussle with Dennis Smith, who was their set captain. Hard man. Very hard yeah. man. And I'd been having tussles with him during the game, and then suddenly I, I bundled him off the ball strength-wise, went from the dugout where they sit, you know, where the trainer is, and went on the diagonal towards the Milton Road end, and I curled a ball, saw Gordon come off of his line, bent one round, and it flew in the side of the net, you know, the far mm-hmm. corner. And the place erupted. Mm. And then I heard the Tottenham roar, mm. which I must say, once you get the Tottenham crowd behind you, mm. you can't go wrong. Yeah. Harry's got it. Yeah. Mm. Harry's got it. All the great players that have come through Tottenham, yeah. they have to have the support of the crowd. Yeah. And it made such a difference. I could go out on the field knowing it was, I was capable of withstanding a a tackle, mm-hmm. and I'd scored a couple of goals, and it really, from then on, 
it's just I couldn't stop scoring. Who did you feel? Who did you feel? I've never asked you this. Who did you feel you were doing it for? Was it for you? Was it for the fans? Was it for the team? So when you would go out and you knew that team were behind you and that the fans were behind you, who did you feel you were doing that for? The club. I, it was. I knew in myself that I could do it if I was fully. If I once mm. got fully charged and confident, why not? Mm. If my, but I had to be. It had to be proven to me that my left leg mm. would take a big knock, and I had quite a few over those periods. I must say that I don't have a problem with my legs. I've got a problem with this left knee now. I've got tons of problems. I've had a shoulder replaced and all that business, but. I, my legs are fine, but what a wonderful operation he must have done. Yeah, I mean, like a fantastic Incredible operation. Because he, he didn't just rescue your career, he made you into one of the best centre-forwards in Europe. He saved my career. Yeah. He saved my career to the point that Doc Curtin, who was a doctor at the club at that time, I played golf with him up at Cruise Hill, and he actually told me a few, probably a few months later, he said, you know, they already had the insurance company lined up to, to get the money. To get the oh, money. Yeah. They, they never thought I'd play again. It's amazing, isn't it? And, yeah, it was amazing. What mm. a wonderful mm. operation. Yeah. But um, it was around that time when this was going on, again, just, again, touching upon, we'll talk about further your relationship with Bill Nicholson was going, because, you know, you still play well scoring goals. This was the kind of time that he famously dropped you <laughs> and told you to, you're not playing today, but here's two tickets to go to West Ham and watch Jeff Hurst play. Yeah. Now, for context again, you were a, a bit, 100,000 <laughs> pounds signing, banged in the goals, and let's face it, you're told to go and watch a lesser team, but go and watch their striker. Yeah. He tried quite a few, he tried quite what? a few things to get me to Riled. click. Can you imagine that and now? That was one of them. Harry Kane showing up and then someone taking the sign actually, can you go, what? I took it as a bit of an insult at the time. I but imagine. I thought, I thought, well, okay, I'll go along. I'll do what you say, Bill. And I went along to see Jeff Hurst playing and he, he told me to look out for how Jeff held the line together at the front and got the ball from Bobby Moore and Lampard and those players up to the front man and cover the whole width of the field. And believe it or not, it was right. You know, little tips like that can make a player. And he, watching Jeff Hurst on that day, then I knew what I was going to try and do. And it worked. That was one thing that worked. One thing that didn't work is that in one practice game up at Cheson, he got, little did I know, but we, put, we reversed the forwards against the defence. You know, the first team defence played against the first league first team forwards he just put the forward, changed the forward lines over and he instructed Mike England and Pete Collins who you must remember was a fantastically strong player played in the League Cup final Pete Collins and he ordered that he, he told them to rough me up a bit in the training ground <laughs> well I tell you what I can honestly say in that first half of that match up at Cheson I got kicked all over the fucking place I didn't know what was going on I thought, this is, this is abnormal mm. in a practice match. Yeah. You don't kick your own players like that. Yeah, yeah. And half-time came, was reversed it. Five minutes into the next half, he, he was waiting for me to show my strength. Right. 
Instead of that, as Mike Ingram was running away with the ball, I just whacked his legs from behind him, <laughs> took him away, and he blew the whistle, Bill, and said, what are you doing? <laughs> he, said, he, said, he said, you could have broken his legs. <laughs> I said, what have they been doing to me for the first half of this yeah. game? The whistle went, we all went in the dressing room. That was the end that of the game. That didn't work. That was a stupid idea. Did, they t- did, did Mike speak to you during the game? Did you, did you know what was going on? No. No idea. No, Mike so admits it. So when did you it, find out? Mike admits it now. Yeah. He's they were following the orders, order. right? Yeah, they, they were told. Yeah. Rough him up a little bit. <laughs> Talk about well, you, your... You only got to tell centre-halves of, of that sort of size. Yeah. <laughs> they they <laughs> love that. Yeah, brilliant. A licence you know I mean? to actually have Rough him up yeah. a bit. Yeah. yeah. You touched on your style and, and started looking at other ways of playing. Around that time again, 70-71, obviously most Spurs fans remember more because... Grease was sold, but Martin Peters came in, yeah. and I think a lot of people here will remember those games and the amount of uh, what they now call you know optostat assists mm. and everything. How do you think, looking back now, how do you think Martin Peters improved you as a footballer with the way he that he played? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I I just loved to, to go into the near post where Martin Peters was fantastic at just curling that ball. He didn't have to go past fullbacks or defenders. He could curl a ball around a player who was only about four, three, four yards away from him, and he had, he knew where to put the ball. He was a fantastic player, Martin Peters, and I just took over where Jeff Hurst left off. Mm-hmm. It was I scored so many goals on the near post, not the far post. I'm, I don't consider myself a, a good, or I didn't consider myself a great header of the ball on the far post. I came from Southampton where Ron Davies was one of the best headers of a ball on the far post. And even then, I was heading balls near post. But what a passer of a ball, Martin Peters. And a great goal scorer himself. It was, we got the best of that deal. Unfortunately, Jimmy was coming towards the end of his career. He went to West Ham, and I think it proved that. There was a problem with Jim at that time. And Bill must have had numerous... Uh, tellings of, of what yeah. was going on he must have realised that Jim had problems and he got reports back and everybody was up in arms and I think that Martin Peters must have been such a great player to replace, replace a player like Jimmy Greaves because he was a god at Tottenham and how he got through it because at the beginning they didn't like him the crowd didn't like him at the beginning Martin Peters but he won them over because he was a great player. Mm-hmm. Who, could re- who could replace Jimmy Greaves? What, what do you remember of the, of the deal of when it happened? Did, did Jimmy speak to you beforehand? Would, did Martin just come in one day? And, what were you aware no, of? In those days, I always remember going up to the Old Hall Tavern and, and going for a drink after training, and Jim was already in there. And I also remember that I left before Jim. <laughs> <laughs> and that's... You put two and two together and you realise that there was a small problem there. Yeah. And he frequented the old old tavern too many times, mm-hmm. as far as I knew. You know, it was... But we, we had bad we, times. We, we, we were very, very lucky. Was it t- t- 2015? We were very lucky. We had Jimmy uh, before his illness doing this show. And, and, Did you and, really? Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. He was fantastic. And, and he's still... Yeah. I mean, how many years? Is, you know, 37 years onwards. It still rankled with him. What, what rankled with him was most? the World Cup. Was, well, was, well that, that, but just the way it was done by the club. When he oh, left, when yeah. he, yeah, when yeah, left yeah, yeah. you were at training, he went yeah. to White Hart Lane, he saw some back staff, 
there was no there was no goodbye, and that no. you could see years on still ate away at him. He still thought he never wanted to leave, you know. And no. sort of, who did? Well, mm. the, the, you're right. Um, that, but that season when the Peters came, that was the season with with your top career. You won your first trophy, which was the League Cup. Yeah. Um, final against Aston Villa. Looking back, I mean, I know it was the League Cup, which maybe now doesn't mean as much that it did then. Sort of big trophy that got you into Europe then. Do you have any memories of that cup run and then obviously the final? I also remember the semi final. Right. We played against Bristol City and they were a third division outfit down and we played away first, the first game. I remember Gilly scored the goal and it was 1 1 draw down there, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. You'll probably check it. But, and then we came to Tottenham and it went to extra time. Went to, I, I'm sure it went to extra time, the, the game against Bristol City, because I had a friend that played in the in Bristol team. That was Ken Wimsus from Southampton. And I scored a header in injury in the extra time. And we went through. Jim, I think Jimmy Pierce scored another one afterwards. And we went through into the final. So that I do remember the that was dicey, that was. Mm. They were a good outfit in those days, Bristol. And we played against another team, I think, from the third division. That was Aston Villa. Yeah. That was tougher. Mm. With, especially when you got Andy Lockett up front playing mm-hmm. against Mike. Mike never liked playing. But then Mike didn't play in that game. It was Pete Collins who played centre-half, I think, in that game. Mm-hmm. But he scored two goals. <clears throat> what a dream debut. I've never played at Wembley <laughs> yeah. before. Amazing. That was my first time there. So I, it was... It, we, the players of the past can't understand why we had this little bit of a hoodoo playing at Wembley. Yeah. It's the greatest surface in the world. It's the greatest place to play football. And it's an honour to be in a final. And I went out and, and I had a dream final. It was fantastic. I, d- I had a chance to score a hat-trick right at the end. Went straight at the goalkeeper. But we still won, won yeah. the game. And that did put us into Europe where we had a fantastic mm. run. We had a great team for Europe. We played very well. Your main, I mean, to talk about Greaves there, your main strike partner then was Alan Gilzine, who, yeah. again, for people who were, were lucky enough to have him, <coughs> probably the first live event he ever did, because he disappeared for many years. Yeah. No one found him, and <laughs> we didn't track it. I, I, it, was through, it was through Jennings. Pat, he still chatted to him. And we were lucky, was it three, four years ago? It was the first time yeah, anyone had seen Gilsey. Yeah, at Dingwalls. Yeah. It was extraordinary. But when he disappeared, because it <laughs> became a thing, whatever happened, to, nobody could ever find... Were you in touch with him? Or would no, you, no. As far as you were concerned, no. he disappeared as well. Yep. What was Strange, he like? I, I mean, can understand why he might have disappeared. Yeah, well, <laughs> what, was, what, was he like? what was he like on and off the pitch? Because there's so many, such great sort of folklore stories about his sort of, you know, Drinking and partying and, and whatever. What was he like to, to be with as a person? He was just bubbly. He was just so confident. He was the sort of player that lifted the spirits in the dressing room. We had a few of those, like Cyril Knowles and Joe Kinnear. They, they were the sort of players who you never showed any nerves before the game. I'm sure they had them, but they were the players that, Thank God they were there that lifted the spirits and, and calmed everything down a little bit. You know, made it a bit light-hearted, stopped you worrying about things. And it was just wonderful to have someone like Gilly. You know, he, he was... He'd say we go out and we beat this lot, you know, it wouldn't be a problem playing against anybody. 
he had so much confidence and just a wonderful player as well to play alongside mm. I didn't actually play alongside him he played a little bit wide on, on the side but how we hit it off together I, it's, it's unbelievable to think I was meant to play with Jimmy Greaves mm. as you realised Jim got me to the club I played there for about four months and then after that I'm playing with Alan Gilsey mm. but I learnt to to read where that ball was going to come off of that shiny bonce of his <laughs> and he was a very unselfish player he worked like stink he was the fittest if I could tell you that he, he drank for Great Britain he was unbelievable yeah. and he was we've woken him up in the car park before now hung over sleep in the car <laughs> we had to run him round the track one day I won't even bore you with that story but Eddie, Eddie, Eddie ba- thank God Eddie Bailey didn't see us holding him up going round the pitch <laughs> but he was just unbelievable he, he was a fantastic player to play with mm. and just brilliant when, scored well, goals Martin when he, when he did come back and, and of course I, I was there that day and when the word was round that he was coming back, and I'd asked you about him in the past you said you hadn't seen him what I haven't asked you though is did it feel did everything fit together the moment he came back because it had been, what, 30 years? You probably hadn't seen him in that long. No. Did everything just feel within a couple of minutes it was like he'd never been away? Yeah, because he hadn't changed. We thought he was going to be a wizened old man. Yeah. Especially the way he drank. Yeah. You think, you, you think he'd be on the side of the road sort of thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. Been, it, the way he lived his life as a footballer, yeah. if he had carried on doing that, <laughs> he would have been... No, he wouldn't have lived. Yeah. yeah. But... When he's he looked 55 back, his entire looks, life, though, hasn't he? I think he's yeah, born yeah, at 55. Right. He and now looks young for his age. Yeah. He looks magnificent, yeah. doesn't he? Really? And, and, he's, and he's full and of the same bubbly kind of joking... Saying, no, it's a little bit quieter. OK. He's a little bit quieter, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> In all ways. Yeah. But he's, he's just a, a wonderful fella to have around. Yeah. There's and a, now he's joined us on this, you know, so-called legends we are at Tottenham. And mm. he is still fantastic to meet... Phil Bill brings him up from Western Supermare because Phil's down that way as well. And he, he must, I used to drop him off after the games when we were at Tottenham back to his son in, in uh, Enfield, Oakwood area, and after games. And he was just wonderful to be with just mm. for that short period. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. He's, he's just lovely to be around and a gentleman of football. There's a great... In your, uh, those, I'm sure most of you got it. You haven't got... Um, came out a few Martin Chivers' autobiography, My Life and Goals. Go and get it. Some fantastic stories. Christmas coming up. Kind of, well. Any left, Paolo? <laughs> <laughs> there's this great, there's this great little, there's only a little side story in the book. We're talking about um, Gilly going out and, 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 and drinking when Nicholson <laughs> approaches all the players and go, I've just heard from a Tottenham fan that Alan Gilzine was seen leaving a nightclub at two in the morning. And you all looked at each other and went, no, he's going in. (laughs) 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 To me, that just sums him up. He's leaving at two, he's going in at two. Just brilliant. Um, 1971 was um, the time when Spurs fans started chanting the Chivers for England, Um, which, which happened. There was a massive clamber. Again, from the fans, you talked about the fans earlier and that Tottenham roar. Started um, 
can we for you to get an England call up? Can you recall how you got the call up, uh, Bill Nick and, and um, Alf Ramsey, how that actually happened? Yeah. It was a game we were playing against uh, Everton at Tottenham. We won 2 1. I got a, a lovely header in the second half on my free kick, probably from Martin Peters again, and headed, headed it well into the goal. And after the game, Bills looked up to me in the dressing room. He said, um, Martin, he says, there's, a, there's someone upstairs in the boardroom that wants to see you. So I said, well, you better show me where the boardroom is, Bill, because I've never been there. <laughs> and sure enough, took me upstairs, and in front of me was Alf Ramsey, who I'd met through under-23 games. I played a lot of under-23 games, uh, but never on this, you know, under these circumstances... Why does he want to see me? He said, Martin, he said, uh, I'd like you to join us for our game in midweek over in Malta. I was absolutely, you'll be playing. I thought, fantastic. That's, then you realise that you're, you're a good player. If Alf Ramsey comes along and he picks you for the England, I think getting an England cap meant so much in those days, more than what it ever does these yeah. days. You know, you get pre- even in our time, they used to have players, the Liverpool mobs and the Leeds players, used to turn it down at times. You know, the, which I thought was that's cheating in a, uh, an England cap. Because mm. if you do get that England cap, then you've proved that you are a decent player. Mm. And unfortunately, it was against Malta on a on a, <laughs> a pitch with not one blade of bloody grass on. And they were hanging off the balconies of the, the houses around. And we scraped a 1-0, thank God Martin Peters scored. But there were three England, three Tottenham players in that team. Alan Mullery, myself and Martin Peters. Just, it was just a great occasion for me. I must have done fairly well because he's picked me for the next two games. One yeah. against Greece and one against Switzerland. Well, I scored in both games, so it was a good start, great start. This has been, I just looked at the time, this has been, well, I think we're going to make this into two halves, Dave, um, of this show. We're, we're, we're going to continue, obviously, but from the purposes of, of recording, um, part two will be out later on this week. For now, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Martin Chibbers. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. The Spurs Show is backed for the season by Ladbrokes.
If you're a large organization involved in managing, purchasing, or making decisions on software licenses, you need Livingston. Livingston provides the technology and a large team of experts to help you understand what software is installed on your network, who is using it, and whether you purchase the right number of software licenses to legally use it. This information can help you make smart business decisions when it comes to renegotiating software licensing agreements with large software publishers like Microsoft, Oracle, IBM, and others, and when budgeting for software spend. To reduce the cost and risk of managing your software licenses, speak to Livingston today about our managed services. Over 50 multinationals across the world trust Livingston to manage their software licenses. Visit livingston-tech.com for more information. What's your thoughts on Fulham? Chances are you don't think about them too much, but nice away day by the river, used to have a Michael Jackson statue, and once did quite well under Roy Hodgson. But that's probably about it, because chances are you're not a Fulham fan. However, if you do know someone that supports Fulham, maybe a mate or a colleague at work, please tell them about the Fulhamish podcast that I host every week looking at each Fulham game as it comes and goes, with a nice bit of quirkiness and humour along the way too. You can find Fulhamish at fulhamish.co.uk, and we're also available on all podcast platforms, including iTunes, Acast, and playbackmedia.co.uk. That's Fulhamish, your weekly independent Fulham FC podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.